Hi, everybody, and thank you so much for joining the first ever Free Domain Radio Boot Camp. I have shaved my head uh, uh, in advance in order to get into this role uh, deeper, and I will, of course, be using the phrase, you maggots, uh, quite a bit throughout the, um, the video call. Uh, so I hope that, and I hope at least to work in the phrase, what is your major malfunction, son, or other, uh, during this call. And so um, I guess the first thing that we want, I would like to talk about with uh, you guys, and I will be keeping my eye on the uh, chat room just in case anybody has any questions around that, is the question, what is a debate? What is, uh, what is the purpose of debating uh, and what is, uh, how do you know when you're in a debate? Because there's kind of a blended interaction, some of which is debating and some of which is not. There's negotiations which are a kind of debate but not with the same intellectual pursuit. So I guess I'd just like to, you know, going from, uh, uh, we have uh, uh, Nash and Greg, uh, Colleen. Is Rich around? Is he? He's in the other room. Listen on the feed. Oh, he's in the other room. Okay. Uh, he's, um, he's shy and uh, has professional concerns. But, um, and uh, Chewy. So uh, I guess if we could start uh, um, with uh, you, you guys' thoughts on that. How do you know when you're in a debate? What for you is the purpose uh, of the debate and so on? That would be... Uh, so let's try and get Greg back. Ooh, stunning new technology. Otherwise, Colleen, it might be you. Oh, I'll start? Yeah, hang on just a sec. We're just trying to get Greg back. We dropped out. <laughs> it's all too beautiful. Oh, they're back. And he's a close up, and he's, a, and he's live. All right, so um, we'll start with uh, you, Nash, since you're on the left, since you're on the left. And uh, we want to get to me, and, because uh, I'm always right. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, um, <laughs> would you, okay, you know, I can't believe people are not dropping off after that joke, but I'm sure, though, for the next one, we'll happen. So, Nash, if you would like to, uh, we're just talking about, you know, what is a debate? How do you know when you're in a debate, and what for you is the purpose of a, uh, of a debate? Whether it's live or internet or whatever. Uh, Nash? You're muted. Sorry, I missed that last part because we dropped out. And I <laughs> you know, we could just switch the you know, we could just switch. No, try it again. It's all right. All right. What for you is, uh, is a debate? How do you know if you're in a debate and what is the purpose debate. of uh, a debate? Um, well, I guess, first of all, I know that I'm not in a debate if we're just each asserting things back and forth. So um, I guess one characteristic of a, of a debate would be that we're actually trying to discover what the truth is rather than just making assertions. Okay, so I mean just making assertions is not a debate, right? Right. Okay, is there anything else you'd like to add to that? To that? Not yet. <laughs> okay. Okay, Greg. Greg. Uh, Greg? Not at the moment. Uh, Greg okay. doesn't have anything to add okay. at the moment. Colleen? Um, I would say for me that a debate is a conversation wherein 
uh, people have two people have um, competing ideas, wherein we're trying to figure out which one is more valid, um, and that, or and which one is more valid. By that I mean which one conforms more to the evidence of reality and which is more logically consistent. And I'd say, um, sort of within a debate, you have to. The, the reason you're in a debate is to discover, you know, the truth value of, of an idea, and you know that you're in a debate when you um, are. That's basically it. <laughs> oh no! Now Drew Garris is right. Hi, Charlotte. Wow, it looks uh, very similar in over there. Uh, yeah, it does, except the, the only thing is it's 10 o'clock at night here. Terribly sorry to be late. That's okay. We know you have a busy schedule. <laughs> you know, Jake and I went to this uh, philosophy meetup thing. It was awful, as you would expect, but we had a, a debate, as it happens, with this fellow who just would not give up. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I guess so. Um, we have to reorganize everything now uh, because we're going left to right. So we can do the uh, bouncing path here, uh, the Dan Buster uh, organization of, uh, of debaters. So, Charlotte, what, uh, the, the question is, you know, when we start talking about how to successfully debate with people, the first thing that I think is important to ask is what is a debate? How do you know when you're in a debate? And that's the question that's floating if you'd like to uh, throw in your... Uh, I guess you've got a good example of what a debate isn't floating around in your head at the moment, but what are your thoughts? Um, definitely, I mean, I would think it's it's not just sort of a, a civilized fight, which is what you know, most people <laughs> seem to, to think it is, you know? Um, it seems like it would be uh, an interchange of ideas with, with the object of, I guess, not necessarily convincing the other person, but certainly presenting um, a rational and well-thought-out case for, for one's side or, or one's thoughts. Um, obviously, I, I guess, you know, what was sort of lacking in the debate with this fellow tonight was, you know, either... That there was sort of the absence of, of an end, you know. It was sort of a, a discussion where he, he wanted to be correct, and that was sort of the be-all, end-all of his um, desires, which I don't think is actually the purpose of a debate, but I, I'm not sure how to articulate exactly what that purpose should be. All right. Chewie. Uh, did you ever get around to seeing the question in the thread? No. Okay. So um, my question was really like, what is the functional definition of debate from which we're going to start? Because it seems that there's no right answer to the question, what is a debate, until we have until we have a definition to work from, if that makes sense. Because I could sure. just ask, what is a Gorbalev or whatever. So uh, Greg actually said one in the chat yesterday that I liked a lot. Um, Greg, do you remember what that was? Don't startle him. Okay. <laughs> um, well, um, basically, the, the, the general framework of the definition was, you know, uh, a debate is a form of communication in which competing points of view are um, posed and uh, resolved in some manner. So, I mean, I don't, 
I mean, I think that we have to have a starting definition in order to, like, you know, proceed, I guess. Sure. But there is sure. no right answer to the starting definition. There is. There may not be one right answer, but there are definitely, I would say, lots of wrong answers, if that makes sense. Well, wrong answers with regards to, like, uh, getting a certain result in mind. If the, yes, result, yes. If, the, if the desired result is truth, right, then we have to have a definition that can meet, you know, meet the creation of truth, or not creation, rather, but the uh, achievement of truth or attainment. Right, right, that makes sense. Now, I'm going to just, I'm going to just ask a couple of questions, because uh, obviously you've got a brilliant crew here, and uh, they'll, you'll have smarter things to say than I will, I'm sure. There are two ways that I think of, when I, uh, two things that I think of when I think of a debate. The first is you could think of it as kind of like a chess game where you're working with predefined rules, and there is a winner and there is a loser. And that comes out of my time uh, as a, a debater in university. And uh, where, uh, I mean, they have these time limits. I often had to be felled by uh, hawks with tranquilizer darts. But uh, there are sort of set up rules and you win and you lose depending on your rhetorical skills, your timing, your engagement with the audience and so on. That's sort of the lawyer side. There's a prosecution, there's a defense, somebody wins, somebody loses depending on either some external or internal criteria. So that, that's sort of the first model of debate. It's sort of like a chess game with predefined rules and a winner and a loser. However, the other way of looking at a debate, which I'm sort of beginning to favor in, uh, <laughs> hey, look at that. We have almost the same hair div, except they're separated by about 30 years, I would say. So anyway, um, so, uh, um, oh, sorry, there's just a, oh, oh, I see. So that's one way of looking at it. Now, the other way to look at a debate is a mutual exploration of unknown territory, because where you're sort of where you both get to a new place. In other words, there's not position A and position B. Hi. These are the people who were in the call on Sunday. One of them, the one on the right, right? The yeah, one. this is uh, that's Ruth, and this is Max, and where's Josh? And that's Josh. Wait, you have one son named Max and not one named Min. All right. Don't worry. You know what? When even the ten-year-olds are rolling their eyes at your joke, it's time to move on. <laughs> but um, so, so another way of looking at a debate, and I would say that that is the debate that has characterized, or the in, the conversation that has characterized this show for the past two years, is that it's kind of a um, a, a mutual exploration of new territory. Uh, so rather than it being a chess game, you can think of it as sort of Lewis and Clark. Um, with webcams or, or Skype or, or a boardroom where we are uh, in the conversation, we both get to someplace new rather than, you know, viewpoint A or viewpoint B uh, uh, or some alternate viewpoint being uh, sort of winning. So uh, the great thing about that sort of exploration idea of debating is that everyone gets something new, whereas in the sort of chess style or win-lose kind of debating, uh, the person who goes in with the best argument comes out the victor, but he hasn't actually gained anything new except possibly some new, adher uh, new adherence to his view. So does that uh, make any sense, or is there a third kind of debate? I mean, we all know the sort of ugly, vicious, trolly, nasty fights that go on, but those aren't debates. Those are just, um, you know, mudslinging uh, festivals. But um, th does this sort of make sense that there's a sort of chess version and an exploration version of debating? Is there another kind that... Um, uh, that I haven't thought of? Well, it seems that, I mean, 
in a way, good debating is like chess in, in as much as the rules of logic and empiricism are the rules of the game, except they're like the broadest game possible. Mm. So, yeah, I mean that, yeah, I mean, uh, in a way, uh, the in a way sorry. Did I get an echo? Yeah. Um, where was I? Sorry, I just lost my train of thought because of that, so just go ahead, someone else. I think the webcam is making your thinking fuzzy, too. Anyway, um, so uh, that's fine. It, 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 let us know when it comes back. Um, this other, I, I, th I mean. I just got it, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I just got it. Um, that, that the good thing about a debate is that it's like an interaction in the free market and that it produces mutual, mutual value. So, you know, when there's trade, there are gains from trade that can be split between both parties. Right. In the same way, a debate's like an economic, in a, in a very distinct sense, an economic transaction where something is created or something is, some good is created for the people involved. Right. So in that sort of old example that you give a dollar for a pen, that's a mutual advantage. Both people end up with what they want through the exchange. And it's more than what they wanted when they came in, because if I give you a buck for a pen, I want the pen more than a buck. And if you do it voluntarily, you want the buck more than the pen, right? Let me ask you a question just as you're having a drink. Okay, uh, others uh, uh, about this question uh, of uh, the um, the model for debating uh, exploration versus chess, uh, or is there another one or, or thoughts about that? Um, I was just wondering what differentiates the exploration model of debating from like a conversation? Wait, now we have a new term, conversation. What do you mean by that? Oh, you mean just any any conversation? Right. Like, why would you call the exploration model of a debate rather than just a conversation? Well, a conversation can be, um, you know, where's the nearest gas station? Um, and, you know, that sort of call and answer thing, that, that I would characterize as a conversation. I mean, I think it's a good question. I think it's a good question. I'm just not sure exactly what it is yet. I mean, I think you're onto something, if that makes any sense. Look at that. We're exploring. But, um, no, I think, I think that's an excellent question. Um, like, okay, for, for example, um, when we have a dream analysis um, conversation, and, and Colleen and I had one recently, that to me is, is, a, is a mutual exploration, right? Right. But it's not, it's not exactly the same as a, as a debate. However, there is a right, a more right and a more wrong answer uh, as we go through that exploration, if that makes sense. Okay. So there is truth that we're in pursuit of, but it's a, a, a mutual sort of um, how does this fit? We're doing the goosebump test and all that. So we are definitely in pursuit of a kind of emotional truth or a metaphorical truth that has resonance, but it's not the same as you know, uh, I impose my analysis of the dream on you or vice versa. If that, there's no, it's not like a chess game, if that makes sense. But we still are in mutual pursuit of, of an emotional truth in this instance. Right. So that's a debate or not? <laughs> She's all about these black and white things. Have you noticed that? It's chilling. Um, well, I think that's an interesting question. I don't, I don't actually know the answer to that. I, I would like to say that there are, there are elements of debate in it and that we're in, in pursuit of truth. And if you think about the, the, I think the best elements of the conversations of Free Domain Radio, it is when we are applying principles 
And there are principles to the dream analysis. We don't just, you know, pull stuff completely out of our armpit. But um, there, there are principles involved, but it really is a sort of mutual exploration. But no, I would not say that that's exactly the same as a debate. Does that? Christina's shaking her head, so clearly that's the answer. <laughs> Does that make sense? I mean, I, I think it is the pursuit of truth, but it's not exactly the same as a debate. That's more of the fully in the exploration model, but... Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. So, yeah, it's a good, great question. So with a debate, it's more the pursuit of an objective truth? Honey? I'm not even sure I would say. I mean, definitely, I think the goal would be yeah, the pursuit of an objective truth. But I think, I, and you and I had a conversation earlier about what a debate is, which is why you didn't ask me when you went along and asked everybody yeah, else. Go ahead. Christina, come on, Christina. Oh, it's we're sort of jammed up in a corner here. The study has not been very video friendly since our last reorg, so I don't know. You want to? Uh, it's also very uncomfortable for me. Yeah, she'd have to lean in and uh, cut the uh, the fetus. So. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Who is actually in a wheelbarrow? <laughs> right. But I, I, I think that. Hang on, sorry. Go ahead. Hang yeah. on, sorry. With debating. I think I think two people start off start off on different ends or different polarities, and it's not just it's not just mere opinion that is being that is being um, challenged. It is it is it is using facts of reality to come to some conclusion. Right. So yeah, it's a good question. No, but with a dream, I mean, with a dream, I've certainly had conversations where someone has said. I think the dream, this part of the dream is about this, and I'll say, well, it doesn't quite fit because of this, and there are, there is evidence that we work with within the dream to bring to a conclusion. But, but with that one, we know the truth when we feel that emotional rush, which is, a, I mean, there is that element in truth as well. But uh, it's a good, it's a good question. Excellent question. All right. Does anyone else have any um, e e easier questions? Anyone? Do you have a dictionary. Clear. How am I gonna? Go, Greg. Okay. Uh, I just had a quick clarification I was looking for. Um, earlier, you had described debating. Uh, I didn't catch all of this because I was still setting up, but you described debating as a, an exploration of the truth. Is that right? You mean on this uh, on this call? Yeah. Yeah, I certainly said that there yeah. was uh, there were two. I just want to make sure we're talking about the same definition. Yeah, there. I mean, there there is there's the chess style where you come in and you have a, a perspective that's thought out and you're attempting thought to out. alter someone else's mind with reason and evidence, where your position doesn't usually change through the course of that. But there are other kinds of conversations where your opinions uh, uh, do change or deepen or become enriched through the interaction, and that's more of a mutual exploration, if that makes sense. Like if I go and debate a Christian, I'm not going to come out of that. Uh, believing in mind-reading undead Jewish zombies. Um, so I'm not going to alter my position on that because reason and evidence is not going to change through the course of reality. It's not going to change through the course of that debate. But in a dream analysis, which is not the only but the easiest example of the exploration style of, of quote, debating, um, it is sort of a mutual back and forth with evidence, with reason, uh, with consistency. But um, it's not. Qu I don't go in saying I know exactly what the stream is and I have to convince the other person, if that makes sense.
Right. Well, I guess I was maybe the distinction for me then is the difference between exploration versus actual discovery. Because it seems to me that the whole purpose of a debate, I mean, outside of the competitive university style podium debates, it seems to me that the purpose, the whole purpose of a debate is actually to discover a truth, right? Somebody has a theory or an idea or a series of arguments, and you examine those arguments for their truth or falsehood, right? Not necessarily in an effort to win or lose, but to discover a truth. Well, I don't think that you can say that the more formal style of debating is around discovering the truth, because if I go in to debate with a Christian, I'm not going to discover a truth other than that Christians are usually sort of not worth debating, which I already know. But I'm not going to discover a truth because I already have a truth, if that makes sense. But that's... Now, in a dream analysis, I would definitely discover the truth, right? Sure, sure, sure. So what you're saying, then, formal debate is absolutely not about discovering the truth. It may happen accidentally, but it's not about... The purpose is not discovery of truth. Right, right. I mean, it may happen if you have a lot of... I mean, if you have intellectual integrity and your position is vested, then you will discover a truth. But the person who's right has not discovered a new truth, if that makes sense. They've come in with the truth and have won the day, so to speak. Well, is that necessarily true, though? I mean, if I have, say, a series of arguments that leads to a conclusion that I believe is true, all I have before the debate is the belief that it's true. But once I engage in the debate and we determine that my series of arguments leading to that conclusion is actually true, then the belief actually becomes knowledge, right? It goes from just a... I'm going to accept this is true until somebody proves me wrong to after the debate where it's like, well, it's truth. I just know it. Well, see, but the thing I would say about that is if you're honest, which, of course, would be the first intellectual virtue, you would go into that debate saying, I don't necessarily believe that this is true, but I'm holding this as true somewhat conditionally for now, if that makes sense. Isn't that sort of what I was just describing? Right, but then to me that would fall under the exploration model. But if you're actually walking through the arguments one at a time with someone, then you're sort of engaged in a debate, right? Well, sure, but there's a difference, I would say, or I'd suggest, there's a difference in a debate between something where you come in knowing that something is true, like there's no God or something, or the world is round or whatever. You come in knowing something that's true, and your purpose is to attempt to illuminate that truth for someone else, as opposed to coming in saying, you know, I don't know, two biologists saying, well, I don't know if there's any such thing as ethics, but let's discuss it. And there certainly is reason and evidence you would need to bring together on that discussion, but that would be sort of the exploration model, if that makes sense. Right, sure, but 
So, so what you're saying then is fundamentally the the uh, the goal of a debate is not um, to it's not to um, verify or to learn or, or to gain gain uh, certainty about the um, the knowledge you have. It's to impart that certainty to somebody else. Well, I think that if you're going to come in saying such and such is true. Um, then, yeah, you, mm. you, you, I mean, obviously, if it turns out that it's not true, then you've made a mistake somewhere. You have to correct your your perspective for sure. But most of the debates that I've ever had in my life come in with someone saying X is true or X is false, right? Uh, I, I very rarely get – I mean, I can't even – except, I mean, with the people who are in this, this conversation, I don't really get debates where people come in and say, you know, I don't – I don't know. Uh, I have this perspective. Uh, I have a few arguments for it, but I don't really know if it's true. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it is uh, It is very rare. I mean, maybe it's just me, but uh, I mean, do you guys have those debates often? Most pop, most pop, people just hit the gas straight off a cliff edge. That's sort of been my experience of debating. But, uh, Debate. Well, let's take well to, to turn that around for a um, Greg, if you could just leave the kind of webcam a little. You're debating with your ear. Your ear. Ah, there we go. Ah, there we go. Sorry. So, that's so. better. Um, if we um, if we take an example, uh, like for example, uh, your your stance on um, you you changed your stance on free will slightly. Um, way, way back near the beginning of the podcast, if I remember correctly, not like it, not like a huge reversal, but uh, there was, I, I seem to remember something about the approach you took to it at first that you changed after uh, a brief exchange with a, uh, a board member. I, I don't recall that. I do recall being, I do recall talking about free will as axiomatic because it just made no sense to me that it That's wouldn't be. Uh, and I certainly did have to go into more, much more detail uh, about uh, the free will position. Um, I, d I don't remember changing my perspective, but I mean, it certainly could have happened. I mean, because it I mean, was just something I'd never really thought about never. before, because it's like, well, of course, there has to be free will if you're going to engage in debates with people and call them responsible for their thoughts and actions and, thought, uh, and say that there is a preferable state of mind called truth, which you are responsible for achieving or failing to achieve. So it, it was just something that was so axiomatic uh, that, um, it, I mean, it just had never really occurred to me before. Certainly, my original position on free will as axiomatic was just not particularly well laid out. I just sort of said it, well, of course there is, right? And, and then I was completely surprised when I heard about all this compatibilist nonsense and all this determinist nonsense. And, of course, there was quite a lot of back and forth about that. But, yeah, I certainly wouldn't say that my position was, was well argued to, to begin with. It was just stated as an axiom. Right, and, and I'm not bringing that up as to, to, just to. Um, please, dear God, don't bring. Please, dear God, don't bring the determinant. <laughs> <laughs> don't put the base in the water. Don't put the base in the But but as a but as an example of where oh, no, you were fairly no, certain. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just bringing that up as an example of where you came into the debate with a certainty. But because your um, your focus, your goal is to know the truth, 
through uh, reasoned debate, you were you um, you were still able to change your viewpoint about that. Uh, so, so it suggests that um, that the goal of a debate is not just to um, it's not it's not to um, assert a truth you know, and it's not even to um, educate somebody. It's actually to learn the truth yourself. Right. Well, I think that's saying it's an either or, which I don't know that it is. I mean, I think you should come in with something that you believe to be true, or of course, if you don't believe it to be true, you should be honest about that, and you should of course be willing to change your mind based on reason and evidence. Um, but of course, if two people but, are just coming in to learn, then no one's teaching, right? So there does have to be that back and forth. That makes sense. Well, somebody's got to be willing to make an assertion. If both people are asking questions, it's not going to go anywhere, right? Right. It's the old uh, be it resolved that, right? And then you have to have a uh, proposition out there. Uh, so that's, I mean, those two models. I think, I think they both have value. Uh, value. But, but. I would sort of suggest. Uh, well, let me put it. Uh, uh, let me put an, another way of looking at debates forward, and you can see if it sort of makes any any sense to you. Is it just me, or have you guys also noticed that deb debates are amazingly emotional? Um, one one point I think, uh, and actually it's kind of a question too, is you know under what model would be the the style of debate where you know all sophistry is eliminated, where you try to represent your opponent's argument or not your opponent but your compatriot's argument as best as you can. I mean, isn't that part of the exploration model to say, okay, suppose <coughs> what you say is true, you know? Yeah, I would, I would definitely um, say so. Yeah, I would definitely say so. And you want to, I mean, in general, you want to avoid the armed and opposing camps. Uh, style of debating, except in one scenario, which I'll, I'll put forward uh, either this show or the next show. But uh, but if we can just go back to this, I mean, is, has it not been the case now that we've all been debating uh, philosophy in the free domain radio model uh, for a year or two? Um, have, have, haven't you noticed just how amazingly intense it gets very quickly? Emotionally, sure. I mean. Well, just yes. the reason I brought that up was because uh, there is a failure. There's a lot of times where there's a failure to represent the, you know, other person's argument fairly, or and I, and I think that stems from emotional causes, right? Like a desire to win at all costs, right? At all, no matter if it's the truth or not. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. And there is, uh, if you, if there is a psychological model which which says, and I think rightly so, that if you have doubts about your argument then you will be harsher on the other person's questions, right? So if you're like, a, I don't know, like a religious person and you have, I mean, obviously every religious person who's sane has doubts about the existence of God because there's no evidence, right? And uh, uh, what they do is they sort of repress and, and attack those doubts within themselves as evil and then they then will attack other people who express doubts in the same model. And the same thing can happen with objectivists and rationalists and libertarians as well. So I'm not sure of picking on the religious brothers and sisters, but uh, there is that model which says if um, I, I have doubts that I'm not expressing, I will be harsher on the other person's position, if that makes sense. And that's part of yeah, what yeah. this series exactly. is about, is, is for me to take the devil's advocate position so that um, uh, we, can, we can figure out if we have weaknesses in our, in our arguments.
Um, so I would sort of, given the emotionality of debates, I would sort of like to put something forward just as a, a possible way of looking at debates as a whole, and, and we can see if this model is useful or not. I'm going to submit that a debate is emotionally very similar to an affair, which makes me an enormous slut. But we can come back to that. Um, but emotionally, there is that kind of intensity that goes with an affair. And uh, uh, I think there is a great deal fundamentally of vulnerability in debating, when, particularly when we're debating about core concepts like uh, God, metaphysics, um, not so much epistemology, ethics for sure, politics, of course, uh, family stuff and so on. Um, there's a huge degree of emotional um, in investment, let's say. It doesn't necessarily mean volatility. I mean, we've all had uh, uh, strong emotional interactions, not volatile, but uh, passionate, which have been positive. So it doesn't mean that, you know, it's like a bad affair, but often it does become that way. And I think that when we think of a debate, the way that I've sort of tried to picture it um, sort of more recently in the Free Domain Radio environment is to say, it's sort of like I have an online dating profile and people ping me, right? And and they sort of will give me those nudges or whatever, and they will say uh, either, uh, hey, that's a lot of skin, I like that. Um, and uh, they will, you know, say that I'm attractive or whatever, and then, you know, maybe I'll, I'll email them back. Or they'll sort of ping me and say, you know, man, you're actually stupid looking. Want to have a coffee? And... I'm sort of trying to, to sort of figure that out, right? So <clears throat> when you get that invitation to debate, and this, of course, happens most often, at least live, uh, on the board or in the chat room, you get that invitation to debate, I'm sort of trying to process it like, would I date this person? You know, I, I, just, I just sort of make erase the gender and, and, and all of those sorts of environments and say, okay, well, based upon how I feel uh, on this initial interaction, would I meet this person for coffee and pursue a potential relationship with this person. And the reason that I do that is, uh, the reason that I'm trying that approach is because to me, there is an emotional intensity to debating and a vulnerability to, to debating and a kind of open your heartness to, the, to debating that occurs whether we like it or not. Uh, it is simply the nature of interacting with somebody at that kind of deep level. When we, when we do talk about psychologically about things like you know, core beliefs, foundational assumptions, and so on, those are very, very personal aspects of our, of our souls, of ourselves. And when you debate those things with someone, there is a, a very strong intimacy in that. Um, and, and the closest approximation, of course, it's not a perfect approximation. Um, the, the, the closest approximation is, uh, is dating, because it's not like family, because with family you have history. With people you meet on the board, you don't, right? So, so I've sort of been trying to work on the, that metaphor, and also the metaphor that when you debate with someone, you are, of course, saying implicitly, uh, you are worthy of respect, you are uh, somebody who's intelligent, you are somebody who's worth my time investing in a conversation with you, uh, you are someone I'm willing to submit my judgment to, because, of course, if you go into a debate never believing you're going to change your mind, then, I mean, it doesn't go anywhere. It's sort of pointless, right? Um, so you, you have to be willing to, to submit yourself to the other person's judgment, to put your core assumptions about reality and virtue and who you are to this other person's scrutiny. That's a highly, highly emotional and vulnerable situation to be in. 
And so I sort of think about the, the, the online dating metaphor or whatever, and I also sort of think about um, would I let this person drive my car with me in it in particular, right? I mean, uh, if somebody wants to drive your car, you know, when they show up and they're stoned on PCP and really angry about something, then, you know, clearly you wouldn't let them drive your car because that's that same kind of vulnerability where you're putting yourself in someone else's hands, uh, so to speak. And so I've really been trying to figure that out. Like if someone comes up, you know, and they're calm, they're rational, and, you know, do you mind if I drive your car with you in it and so on? But, you know, when someone's aggressive or, or unpleasant or difficult, I sort of think, well, would I, do I want to open my heart to this person? Would I be willing to reveal my core beliefs and, and, to, and, and put them in this person's hands? Uh, would I be willing to let them drive? And, of course, in a, in a debate about core beliefs, I mean, it's like you're letting them drive your car with you strapped to the hood like a dead deer, right? I mean, you're not even uh, you're not even in a seatbelt because it, it it is that vulnerable, and it's the only way that I can really understand the uh, the emotional volatility of these kinds of debates and how tense people get. So, I think that the emotional vulnerability of debating and uh, uh, the um, the risk that your heart sort of undergoes, particularly when you're debating core ideas. I'm not necessarily saying, you know, debating about the role of the Fed or whatever, but we don't really do that too much anymore here. But when you are debating about truth and beauty and virtue and, and so on, you know, when you get that typical thing, and it's a, it's not hugely typical, but it's relatively common. You know, someone comes along and says, you know, your theory's stupid. You know, to one degree or another, that's sort of what they'll say. And then when you don't really want to debate with them, they say, oh, you're just running away because I'm right. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, I just, again, it's the sort of thing. It's like someone pings me and says, uh, uh, you're stupid and ugly, right? Let's go out, right? <laughs> and you don't respond to them. And they say, well, I guess I'm just too sexy for you. You're scared of my sexiness. And uh, I guess everyone's just expecting for me to say that in the next podcast, right? It's a <laughs> phrase everyone's been waiting for. But um, uh, so I, sorry for that little speech, but I just sort of wanted to to sort of put that out there as a way of, of uh, the way that I'm sort of trying to process this kind of uh, 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 volatility and vulnerability that I sort of see going on continually uh, with debates um, and just sort of wanted to put that out there. Is, is that just my experience? Do other people have that uh, experience or does that approach uh, make sense to anyone? Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely um, one of the experience that I've had. Um, and it seems like that sort of emotionality around debates manifests itself in, in a lot of ways. I mean, there are those people who, you know, they just they won't let a point go or, you know, they say, yeah, I agree with everything you say, but or, you know, then you get the people who get sort of. Sorry, you're, you uh, know, you're talking about Greg, right? Just, just, yeah, just lean yes. in a little. It just, just you and I will talk about this point. Go on, go on. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and then you, you know, sometimes you get the people who say, "Well, your mom's ugly," or you know, just go to my my mother does well, whatever. Um, you get the people who sort of, you know, they they leave off anything that could possibly ever be constructive and just go to to the nasty ad hominems, right? So it seems like that sort of emotionality can manifest itself in a lot of negative ways. I was going to ask, is there sort of a way um, that you can think of to, to manifest that emotion in, in a positive way or a way that, that that can sort of 
help the debate or move the debate along rather than, you know, it, it getting to, well, you're so fat that, you know, etc. Well, um, I've not found a way. Uh, it's it's sort of like, you know, if somebody pings you and says you're, you know, you're, you're ugly and dumb on the Internet um, on a dating site. Is there a way to turn that into a positive dating experience? I don't really think there is, frankly, um, because there is this paradox that occurs with people who come, you know, lauding it over people with the, the vast interstellar intellect that they bring to bear on the Internet. Right. Which is this basic paradox, which is that, um, you know, people come and say, well, uh, you know, UPB is, is dumb and, and uh, DROs are fascists and blah, 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 right? So they claim to be, you know, just staggeringly intelligent, which is great. You know, it would be wonderful if we could all kneel at their feet, right? But, of course, the problem is if they are so staggeringly intelligent, why don't they know that that's a really bad way to present your ideas to people? <laughs> I mean, it's that sort of fundamental thing, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, so that, it's that paradox that I think is a real problem. Sorry, somebody was saying? Sorry, I was just going to say that I was just going to say that that's um, kind of like the free market trade analogy for debating. If somebody walks up to you and says, "Hey, can I have that pin?" You know, I don't have any money, but uh, sure, could you give me your pin? It's like if they don't have a value to offer you, and so when they come up, they just start making fun of you or making fun of your position rather than actually debating the ideas. Does that make any sense? Not particularly to me, though you may be onto something. Maybe I just missed it. Maybe, um, yeah. go, go ahead with the pen thing okay, again, just to make sure I understand it. Okay, so you, you were saying like that, that some people, when they come up to you and they want to debate, they just they come in and they start making fun of your position or making fun of you rather than. Oh, sorry. I'm not saying they want to debate. Oh, sorry. I'm not saying they want. I'm not saying they want to debate. Just right. To be clear, they don't, they don't, just they don't actually want to debate, which is like if somebody were to come up and say, I want your pen, can we trade, but I don't have anything to offer you to trade. They don't actually want to trade, they just want to take your pen. Right. Yeah, it, it's sort of like a con game, or I guess you could say it's like negative economics. Like uh, there are two kinds of, basically two kinds of advertising, one, one which says, you know, this is the benefit that this product will give you, and the other one which says, you're deficient if you don't have this. Right, and, and I think that this style of debating is more negative economics. You know, like you're an idiot, but if you listen to me, I can make you not an idiot. Make you not, which is sort of like you know, you're ugly, but if you use this uh, if, Botox, then you won't be, or something like that. Um, and I think it's more along that line of um, somebody they knock you down, sort of like a priest, right? You're evil and sinful. Like they'll knock you down, and then they'll say, but if you conform to my thinking, I will give you the you know the respect of you know whatever because you don't agree with me you're an idiot but if you agree with me then i won't call you an idiot anymore uh that's sort of an appeal to insecurity and self-attack which i don't think is really don't but that's not what i would really debate, debate. it's more like I, an assault if that makes sense that right makes sense it's, it's it'd be like in uh instead of a free market trade you just have some kind of um you know it's, it's the government violence in a scenario i mean instead of saying here i have a value to offer you and do you want to trade? It's like, well, I'm just going to take your money, and then if you vote for me, maybe I'll give some of it back. Yeah, or it's sort of like going up to someone uh, and saying, you know, uh, for a pen that's worth five for bucks, you know, your pen is totally gay, um, and I'll uh, I'll only charge you five bucks to take it off your hands. You know, if they can get you to believe that the pen is bad or stupid or whatever. I mean, this is a bad analogy, but I think you sort of understand uh, what I mean, right?
Like, like the, the ads about, you know, uh, complexion or, or whatever, right? Or, or, um, or uh, you know, Nash's perm. I mean, those, those kinds of ads will sort of say that, um, sort of say, uh, you know, there's a, a, I'm going to inflict a negative state and then I'll charge you to restore you to a, a positive state. Like, you're getting old, Steph. Uh, you're getting wrinkles and therefore you should get Botox. And uh, it's like, well, I didn't feel like it was old. Like, well, I, I didn't the feel like it was old. Well, and now suddenly I feel like I need to pay to get back to not feeling old, right? So I think it's like, like that, that where so somebody will make you feel worse that. and then offer you uh, a way of feeling better from a wound that they themselves have inflicted and that just to me is like well if I just don't care about my wrinkles then I don't need the Botox right and if I just don't care about somebody who calls me an idiot in one form or another then they don't have anything to sell me so to speak can I expand on that economics metaphor who, who said that uh, Chewy Yes, me. please. From the crotch okay. cam, we, uh, uh, we got a Chewy. <laughs> uh, hello, Steph. I'm live. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, Chewy. Okay, yeah, so from the, from, the functional, from the functional standpoint, like what's good for me, right? Like you can take the economic metaphor a step further. Like let's say I enter into a business relationship with somebody, right? And we're talking about, okay, how are we going to make the most money? How are we going to market our product? How are we going to research it and so on? And he's just telling me, you know, you're dumb or using all these sophisticated techniques, right? That's bad for me because I'm not going to make as much, make as much money. So in that way too, um, it's not that somebody's like sort of giving you a negative, um, giving you like a negative, negative, negative economic incentive to change your behavior, but um, um, you know they are actually impairing you from achieving any positive value in your life too. Like there's an opportunity cost. You could be working with somebody else who isn't going to call hmm. you dumb in a negotiation, right? And, and you can make more money in the end. And so in the, to, to tie it into the debate and truth, right? Truth is like the profit in the free market. And you know if somebody's just going to come and yell at you, right? If you're interested in truth, he's not the right person to be talking to. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what I've said uh, to people. Um, we, we had this thread uh, with the fellow who was very aggressive, and uh, uh, he said, you know, well, I basically said, I don't want to debate with someone who's aggressive. And he's like, well, what does it matter what my style is as long as we get to the truth? And I said, well, you can't get to the truth with someone who's aggressive because I know, I understand the vulnerability of exploring core truths with people. And you simply can't get there if you're operating in a system of threat. Um, just, it does, it's like saying, uh, if I, you know, I'm going to yell at you until you love me, right? Oh, wait, sorry, that was the first 200 podcasts. Um, but, uh, oh, sorry, what was that? No? Okay. So uh, you, you simply can't get to the truth or, or to anything that is positive in a state of threat, right? I mean, the threat is, uh, eliminates those, those possibilities. So, no, I, I mean, I think that you're right. I think that you're right. So I think that the debate uh, has to arise, you know, there has to be a mutual respect. Uh, and again, I, I said that there was one exception, which I'll just sort of mention briefly here. Um, I was on the Michael Badnarik show. I'm actually going to be back on on the 25th, the first day of my 42nd year. 43rd? 43rd year. 43rd year. <sighs> anyway, uh, and, and the reason that I'm going back on uh, is not because I am going to expect that the rabid Christian callers are going to be converted to uh, a more rational uh, and empirical way of looking at the world, but there are people who, are who would be listening, who would be in the audience, who would be on the fence, right? So I wouldn't have a debate with a one-on-one -on -one debate privately with any one of those particular callers, but um, when you have an audience, I think that the chess style of debating, 
the you could say more assertive or aggressive or combative style of debating, I think is can have validity if that makes sense. Uh, I don't have any particularly clear delineations, but I can tell you that uh, um, uh, when you when you do have an audience who can be swayed, then I think that you don't have to have an exploration necessarily. If you have two people with opposing and fixed viewpoints debating before an audience, I think that you can have more of the win-lose style of debating and it can actually be productive in that environment, if that makes sense. It's more of a competition and less of a practice, right? It's like if you're two gymnasts and you're practicing, you can help each other out to become better gymnasts, but then when you're in a competition, there's a win-lose situation and you both have to give it your all, so to speak. Does that make any sense? Maybe this would just me, yeah. Maybe, maybe this would just me com completely badly explaining what I had meant. I mean, obviously you don't want to debate with, you know, the people who say, well, you're stupid and ugly, you know, right off the bat, right? But if you get into a debate with someone who is, you know, me, for instance, I, I think that I'm, you know, otherwise kind of maybe semi-sane, um, but, you know, there, there's always a point in a debate where it gets to, like, God, you're proving me wrong. And, you know, I, I don't really want to say, well, yo, mama's so fat that. But, you know, it's it's like this, you know, this energy that comes up like, God, I'm wrong. There's nowhere to hide. Flee. You know, that sort of um, energy that, that comes up. Is there a way to use that better? Yeah, that's I mean, I, I think that's I interesting, think. and I, I think we've all been there. My experience of being there has been when you're in a combative debate, then losing feels like falling off a cliff, right? Because you've, you've, you've invested into winning, and, and you know it's a win-lose, and you've taken on someone who's oppositional. Um, whereas, you know, if, 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 to take, again, to take that contrary example, if we look at a dream analysis, if it turns out that something I'm talking about is just not even part of the dream, I just abandon it and move on, right? Or if I say something, you know, as I often say in the psychological conversations or continually say in the psychological conversations, this is just a theory. It doesn't mean anything. Use it or don't use it or whatever, right? Um, if, if they then discard that, it's like, well, so, you know, try this sweater on, right? If they don't like that sweater, it's not like I'm bad, right? But in other situations where I have uh, uh, I've dug myself more into a position, then yes, absolutely, it feels like ripping your own epidermis off to admit fault. And that usually comes when you're in a win-lose debate rather than an exploration. In the exploration mode, uh, I don't find that that's um, uh, that, that surrendering a position, because you've kind of never really taken a position, I don't find that surrendering a position is a big problem. So I, I think if you get into that situation, I think it's important to figure out whether that's a debate you want to be in, if that makes sense, and, and how you got there in terms of getting to this win-lose place. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it would sort of make sense to to figure out exactly what you have invested in in winning and why that's particularly important for you. Yeah, certainly I would say that you're probably correctly anticipating a kind of triumphant position. You know, the aha, you know, I've won, da, 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 the balloons come down and Barack Obama comes out of your, you know, breast pocket or something. Uh, I think that if you're in that kind of situation, uh, then I think it's important to figure out how, how you got into that kind of oppositional place where you just feel the other person's going to do that 
that uh, you know thong based victory dance that we all know so well in our heads. Sorry, go on. What were we talking about? Uh, the, the one that you did. Oh yeah. Sorry about that again to everyone involved. So uh, yeah, so I, I kind of wanted to, to point out those kinds of uh, those kinds of differences. I think I, I'm sort of trying to move more towards the exploration style of debating, um, uh, because uh, and this has really come out of my marriage because I never win. Because there's no debating in your marriage. There's no debating. Do you have to be next? Anyway. Aww. Somebody else, please take over. No, so so um, I, I'm really trying to move more towards that kind of collaborative um, exploration, positive style of debating, and it's come out of the psychological aspects of the conversation that we've had here. It also comes out of personal stress. I'm just trying to live a. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. There's so much that's inherently stressful with um, with free domain radio for me. Um, it's mostly yeah. Mostly Greg up there, but um, uh, there's so much that's stressful that I'm, I'm really trying to sort of cut, cut back on those kinds of things in particular, and work on a more collaborative and positive style of, of debating. Where, you know, in, in a win-lose debate, it t if one of you wins and one of you loses, that tends to be it, right? You're done for the relationship, right? Whereas with a collaborative and exploration-based kind of uh, debate, it really uh, it tends to grow through that kind of mutual respect for each other's abilities. And we've so, all had those, um, sorry, just one last thing. We've all seen those kinds of relationships or maybe had them too where they're kind of nagging-based one-upmanship relationships, you know, marriages or, you know, boyfriend-girlfriend stuff where it's like, and another thing, you know, <laughs> where it's like one person wins and one person loses. And uh, it tends not to be that sort of mutual exploration thing. And, of course, based on the marriage template, which is the most successful relationship um, that I've had um, or have, that sort of a mutual exploration thing, and there really is a thrill of, of great knowledge. And of course, the Freedom Aid Radio conversations that have the most value to me are the ones where I learn the most, and that tends to be that collaborative style of, of conversation. Uh, obviously, I've developed six million new ideas since I started this conversation. I'm not, I'm not uh, um, unrolling things that I thought of earlier. It's because of this collaboration and sort of mutual stimulation, so to speak, that the greatest growth in knowledge to me occurs. So I'm trying to reserve those chess-style debates for when there is an external audience and work more towards this collaborative and curious uh, style of, of debating. Um, I, I find those, I'm sort of gravitating towards those as, as more enjoyable and more productive. Uh, though that doesn't mean necessarily I won't be, be drawn back to the dark side or anything, but um, uh, that's sort of the style that I, I have found to be the most positive and enjoyable. And the relationships that are the best for me through Free Domain Radio tend to be the ones where there is that kind of um, uh, exploration style. It may be better, it may be worse. It's just something that I'm sort of uh, working on. What's that? Uh, uh, I mean, is there, uh, how, how do other people experience that, that style uh, with me or with others? Is, is it more productive, less productive? Doesn't really matter. Well, this I is think my own experience. Greg first. Go We've had a ruling from the Shaggy one. Um, Greg first. Greg, Greg started first. first. Greg started first. Greg, you got it under the wire. Stimulate us. <laughs> Stimulate us. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, so, so in my experience thus far, um, the collaborative style, the collaborative approach that we've taken has been um, – uh, extremely gratifying for me. Um, 
And I, I, I think because, and I'm going to take uh, just a little bit of an angle here myself, um, uh, because there's the, um, the, the there's the acknowledgement up front that um, you can't really avoid the emotional investment in no you uh, can't positions yeah. no right? you can't and and so traditional style debates try to pretend like that can't happen like you can get behind these podiums and dryly and dispassionately argue uh, a position without any regard to your own emotional investment to it and and so i think one of the things that the collaborative approach that's taken here does is is to sort of make that explicit and say look th there's there's no way you can avoid that and so how do we how how do we use that in a in a productive way, right? And not not try to. Uh, and I think that's what you were getting at too, with the the whole idea of making uh, a debate something where both people um, come away with more than they started, rather than a mm. win lose situation mm. where it's a, a closed a closed loop sort of uh, economy um, of 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 thought. Um, but but one question I had for uh, uh, Christina actually um, is the um, um, <laughs> the the, uh, the, the emotional invest the emotional investment in positions in arguments um, things like that um, what. Um, to, to what degree is that healthy, and to what degree is that not healthy, and and how do you, how can you best um, identify where the line has been crossed, if that makes any sense? I'm so sorry, Greg. I missed the question. Let's switch seats so you can. No, I'm fine no. here. I, okay. I just I missed the question because Steph was asking me. For I'm so that. sorry. Uh, could you just repeat that last bit about what is healthy and what is unhealthy? Healthy and what is unhealthy. Sure, absolutely. Um, since we since we acknowledge up front here that emotional investment into an argument or into a position is something that really can't be avoided, that that we all sort of internalize that as part of our identity and uh, to some extent, and and to change a position is to uh, or to ask someone to change their position is to sort of ask them to change themselves in a way, right? So, I guess what I'm asking is. To what degree is an investment in a position or a conclusion or an argument uh, uh, healthy, and to what degree is it not healthy um, from a psychological standpoint? And and how how can we sort of within ourselves um, detect when when we've crossed that line? Uh, I mean that's a, that's a really um, I mean that's a huge topic I think. Um, and I think yeah, I get the sense, Greg, that you're looking for you know for some black or white answer with at least with the first part no, of first part of the question. <laughs> part of the question. Give me an equation. Sorry. <laughs> I want a blood test. Or I want a blood test. test. Or a urine color test. scheme. Right. Greg, like a Dalek or something. The, uh, the only horse that Greg knows is the zebra. Anyway. I, I do agree with uh, <laughs> agree with a statement that um, Steph made earlier. And I think a statement? Sorry, go on. That Steph made earlier about um, um, 
I, and maybe it wasn't even Steph. I can't recall who it was. I'm sorry. I apologize if it wasn't Steph and it was somebody else about needing to go into a debate. And actually, it may have been you, Greg, needing to go into a debate um, with with a position that I I may not be right here. I have I have I have a I'm taking a position that I'm right. Yeah. But it's not it's not confirmed. It has not been validated. It is not. Uh, it is not set in stone, and so that opens us up to be more vul- more vulnerable. It opens us up to be more more open to opens us up to be more open to <laughs> something about opening. Yeah, <laughs> to, to other ideas and opinions. I think. And and sorry, the the division to me there would be that we are not certain about conclusions, but we're certain about methodology. Like a scientist, Precisely. right? A scientist will say. I may not be like this is a theory that I'm putting forward. I'm not certain about that it's true, but I am certain that it will not be disproven through prayer, right? That that you do, will have to use science to validate or invalidate it. I won't accept chicken entrails, prayer, your Aunt Jemima's uh, uh, syrup bottle talking in your ear. Uh, that that there is a methodology. So for us, I, I mean, for me at least, uh, yeah, I'm not certain about certain uh, things that I put forward, but. I do know that reason and evidence, or UPB as a whole, is going to have to be deployed to to prove or disprove anything. So is that sort of what? Yeah, yeah. That that you know, I mean, I have a I have a position. I'm not certain that it is absolutely true, and uh, I'm I'm willing and open to to uh, to the debate or to being educated on 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 something. And I think when we, when we get where we get stuck is like you said, when we sort of hang on to a position and. I mean, it, it does become kind of crazed, right? It becomes it certainly kind of does crazed, for me, yeah. Right? Certainly, you become kind of crazed and you become defensive, right. and it's the kind of thing that that Charlotte was talking about earlier, where you want to sort of resort to, you know, well, your mama is kind of thing. Well, uh, and that's tough because my mama is. <laughs> so. But you know, and I think when you do get to that position, or when you find yourself, <laughs> right? <laughs> you Too many mamas here. That does that doesn't work. It's like, oh yeah, what's that old joke? It's like you know, uh, one guy says to another and uh, says, uh, sitting on the steps and says. <laughs> You know, my dad could beat up your dad. The other says, "Really? What would that cost me?" <laughs> yeah. See, that that was always the thing I used in elementary school. You know, people would say, "Yo, mama's so fat." Well, yes, she is, in fact. Right. So I think, you know, when you find yourself getting to that particular point, you need to sort of stop and say, um, "All right, why am I, why am I feeling this?" Um, what part of this argument or what part of my position has just been uh, has just been destroyed that I have to react in such an aggressive way? Well, but it's the, the, even the language uh, position destroyed yeah. and this sort of stuff, right? Well, yeah, precisely. I, I mean, mean that, how is it that I've ended up in a situation where? the truth has become something I'm nervous about. Right. You know, like if I'm disproven and I have to back down or I have to give up my position that's bad or whatever, right? How have I ended up in a situation where the truth, the possibility of being wrong, which is a constant companion to all of us, the possibility of being wrong has become an enemy, where something has become a greater value or a competing value with the truth. That is, I think, a very uh, difficult place to, to be in. And I think it's important to figure out how it is that we get there. And that's sort of why I'm trying to delineate these two styles of debates. This is why, sorry, hang on just one sec. This is why I think um, 
when when you when you and I had the discussion earlier, which and you shared your thoughts with uh, with this crew today about debating being akin to being in a relationship. I think that there's a lot of truth in that because we do have to open ourselves up and we do have to be vulnerable and we do have to be. Uh, um, there has to be a, a tremendous amount of trust, I think. And what there is innately a kind of trust. Right, like if you start to date someone, you know, and you sleep with them or whatever, you, you can't help but get attached in some way. But you can't help it right. unless you're a complete you know, antisocial personality. You can't help but get attached in some way. And it's the same thing with debating that we have those deep relationships with someone. Because we're, especially when we're talking about core issues, that's going to happen regardless. You know, it's like you can't have a family around and not be deeply affected by them. You can't get into a debate about core issues and not be deeply affected emotionally. And I think that's why the deeper that we go in terms of debating, the more secure and positive and, and cooperative the environment needs to be, if that makes sense. Yes, I agree. And the moment there's a win-lose, a triumphalism, a, as Greg was saying, a closed-loop economy or a zero-sum economy, if I'm right, you have to be wrong, I win, you lose, I triumph, you are destroyed, um, I think that is scarring, uh, if that makes sense. It's, it's a re-infliction of, of unpleasant early things. So just a question I would have is uh, Sorry, if you Princess Leia, you had something you wanted to add? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go ahead, um, Look like two black Danishes right. on your head. Yeah, yeah. Um, something I was wondering about was if you enter into a debate wherein you are sort of convinced that you're right, I mean, you just know through logic or something that your position is true and the other position is false can you is that possible for it to be a collaborative debate or if it is how would you make that into a collaborative debating style well i think that's something that we're going to try and work through in upcoming episodes of the boot camp which so far is not particularly booty um but is from at least my part somewhat campy but um uh i would say that uh, i mean the, the first thing that that is always important to me is start off with the definitions. You know, what is it that we're trying to establish and how are we going to know when we get there? You know, if you go on a road trip, you know, you just sort of blindfold yourself in the car and hit the gas, right? That doesn't work, trust me. Um, so I think that starting with, um, you know, with definitions and so on, right? And if the person is willing to define uh, his or her position, uh, then that's great. I mean, to, to look at the recent, uh, uh, when we recently got infested with nihilists, the fumigation was a 15-minute video saying, you know, here are the logical contradictions in nihilism, they just don't come back, right? So once those clear definitions are in place, then um, you, you find those people who, are, who, want to, uh, who want to have those debates and who are curious and open to, to debating those essentials. Um, I think that is, um, uh, I think that is uh, really uh, important. I mean, I can think of countless examples where that has averted problems uh, on the board, where one guy came along and said, you know, Steph, what's this word you keep using, valid? What, what does valid mean? Right? And you, you can always tell the emotional intensity behind these things, right? And I said, well, you know, that which conforms to reason and evidence. And he says, well, that just seems like a really amateur definition and never comes back. And it's like, okay, well, I guess you didn't want to play, right? <laughs> you didn't want to debate, right? Um, so, you know, when somebody puts the checker piece on the chessboard, it's like, okay, well, I guess we can't really play whatever game it is you think we might be playing, right? So I think starting with definitions uh, and starting in a friendly and positive way and seeing, but the most important thing as always is that self-RTR, you know, really, really figuring out how do I feel when somebody's when somebody is posting? How do I feel? And we've all had those threads, right? Lord knows. We've all had those threads where, you know, we're afraid to check, you know, because it's gotten heated or it's gotten volatile, it's gotten unpleasant. 
And um, I, it really is, um, if, if you're enjoying it, then obviously there's no problem. If you're not enjoying it, saying that this, uh, I find this to be combative or unpleasant or I don't like this approach, it seems too confrontational, this is not, right? And then if the other person says, you know, you're totally right, um, it has become unpleasant for me as well, I do apologize and you can both apologize, let's backtrack. Uh, I really do want to have this debate, but we went off on the wrong foot. Let's backtrack and see if we can sort it out again. That's wonderful. I mean, that's a mature, uh, responsible way to deal with the mistakes that we all make when these kinds of interactions. But if it's just like, oh, so now that I've proven you wrong, suddenly you're getting all emotional on me, right? It's like, okay, <laughs> well, uh, I mean, the, but of course, there's no obligation to respond even, even to that, right? So it really is around trusting your own feelings, you know? If you're having fun, then it's a, a collaborative and positive thing. Uh, and that doesn't mean that it's not always pleasant at, at every moment, right? Sometimes uh, it can be emotionally difficult, but not because the other person is being aggressive or, or unpleasant. So I think it really is just around checking with the self, being honest about in the moment, being honest in the moment about your experience of the other person. And if they can get through to honesty or, or empathize with how you feel, that's great. But there's no way that I know to change anything except through just being honest about how I feel in the moment, if that makes sense. Right. I guess the question is, um, do, you, do you have to have that degree of uncertainty in order for it to be a collaboration? I don't think that you do. Um, I think that it becomes more educational rather than debating. Yeah, you, you can definitely lead someone uh, somewhere. Um, uh, for sure, right? I mean, you can definitely lead someone somewhere uh, if you're certain of your position. Um, you know, I'm certain that, that the Old Testament says to put unbelievers to death. And I'm certain that Jesus said that uh, every law in the Old Testament is perfectly valid and honorable and respectful. So, you know, I'm certain that Jesus is affirming the law to put, to put non-Christians to death. Now, uh, the average Christian doesn't know that, right? Uh, so you can lead someone to that position, um, even if I'm certain of, that that's what he said, right? Um, so there's ways to lead someone more towards certainty, or I, I'm certain that taxation is the initiation of the use of force. It's a violation of the non-aggression principle. But um, you can definitely lead someone there, for sure. Um, and the challenge there, of course, is that they will try, and they're also trying to lead you somewhere, right? And that's where a lot of debates become difficult. When they're trying to lead you to the social contract and you're trying to lead them to taxation equals force, uh, that mutual pull apart uh, one of you has to give way. I mean, obviously, if you're both just trying to pull, it's, it's like a rope pulling contest. Both people end up just falling down, one of them in the mud, right? So in that case, um, uh, if they're not going to follow you, you either have to stop the debate or follow them, right? And say, okay, well, lead me to the social contract. Make the arguments, and I will attempt to uh, disprove the social contract by responding to the position that you have. Uh, and then if they are able to realize that there are contradictions in the social contract, then you can lead them away from the social contract towards the reality of uh, taxation equals force or whatever. But uh, yeah, you, you can't both be saying, well, you can't be, there can't be two Socrates in the conversation, right? Because one of them has to lead and one of them has to follow in those kinds of, uh, of debates, if that makes any sense. Right. But there's nothing wrong with, with following somebody uh, to the cliff edge and saying, well, one step more, four, and we, we both fall into error, right? Yeah, there was a question that I've had just sort of all along. I know that most of the conversations that you have with people, they just sort of 
they naturally find a level, they naturally find an end, right? Um, but specifically in the in the sort of adversar- adversarial, per se, but in the sort of chess-like debates that you mentioned, the one thing that I always have a problem with is, is figuring out when somebody's won. Um, so is, is that something then that you just sort of decide earlier, you know, like burden of proof or whatever, or, or how does that exactly work? Yeah, if you don't have a... Um if you don't have a criteria, if you don't have criteria for, for truth or falsehood, then um, there's, uh, all you're doing is you, you're just it's table tennis, right? It's not, not like table tennis ends in, in uh, a fundamental victory of truth, right? It's just batting something back and forth. And that's why, you know, I always try to say to people who come in and say such and such is true, it's like, okay, well, what's your definition of truth? What's your definition of reality? How do you know when something is true and when it is false and blah, 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 right? Um, because otherwise, it's all you're doing is manipulating symbols, right? Um, so uh, you, you're just passing hieroglyphics back and forth, right? So you need to have uh, a way of knowing uh, if you're going to have those uh, kinds of debates, a way of knowing whether something's true or false. And there are very few people in the world who can uh, honestly uh, uh, tell you that they know when something is true or when it's false. It's really hard to, to figure that stuff out. I mean, once you get it, I think it's relatively easy to to implement it, but it's really hard to consistently to have a consistent philosophy uh, of based on truth and, and empiricism, reason, evidence, and so on. So, um, when you ask people those questions, they're either going to be honest and say, you know, that's I, I don't have a good way of saying what is true and what is false. I don't have a clear way of saying that, and therefore, I'm going to withdraw the other position and let's work on that problem. Or they're going to say, well, it's reason and evidence, right? Or not, right? And then you can just sort of keep asking them those questions. Um, and so, so, okay, we'll know if reason, if, if I, so if I prove that your argument is illogical, then you will withdraw the position, is that right? And either they're going to say, oh, yeah, absolutely, or they're going to say, well, that depends on what phase the moon is in and, you know, whether the Sagittarius is in the Jupiter orbit or whatever. Um, so it's just around building that, um, uh, those standards of truth. Uh, and if you can do that successfully with someone, then you can definitely have a very productive and enjoyable debate. And the fact that, that we all have, I think, that same standard of reason and evidence, and we've gone through the Intro to Philosophy series, we've been working this, uh, these issues for, for months, if not years, then uh, that's why we can move so rapidly, right? Because once you get past those basics, I mean, as we can see, it's an ever-accelerating bobsled ride uh, into the glacial bowels of blue truth. Oh, dear. Sorry, metaphor got away from me. Anyway, um, but there is an ever-accelerating and ever... It's an, it's an asymptotic rise to, of, of insights and understandings once you get the basics down. But if you can't get those basics down with someone, then people just get exhausted and withdraw. You know, they, they, the relationship just ends, right? Uh, it's like if two people just nag each other forever, they either sort of live in misery or break up, but they don't ever come to a productive resolution uh, about the quality of the relationship. That makes sense. That's, you know, exactly the problem that we have with this this fellow, you know, tonight, right? It's like, okay, well, you know, your argument's invalid. But, you know, I I think it's true, and here's another reason. You know, it was just sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite useful at that point. Well, it is useful, I would submit, but not if you keep debating. I mean, it's useful to say, hey, I think I found an exit from this highway, <laughs> right? But if you just keep driving on the highway right. to nowhere, then you're just burning gas, right? 
Right. I mean, you you have found something out, which is, you know, I don't want to debate with this fellow ever again. Right. And what you can also do with that kind of person is to say, what are you feeling at the moment? You know, what's your emotional experience of this interaction? Um, If I say that I've disproven your argument, how does it feel to say, well, I should rethink things then? I mean, you can definitely RTR with the person and, and try and get an understanding of their emotional state. Right, because well, I'm going to work on this in the next book, but 95% of philosophy is actually psychology, right? Because the basics of truth aren't actually that hard, but getting across from them is uh, is uh, is really uh, getting those across. Is I mean, taxation equals force, is, as I talk about in my new book. It's not hard, but it's almost never believed, right? That's a very important empirical fact for us to work with. That um, psychology trumps philosophy just about every single time, and that's why we focus so much on the emotional side of things in this conversation. I think that uh, we should all recognize the degree to which Nate and Greg look like they're on an album cover for something entirely folky. Nash. Uh, Nash. Sorry, Nash and Greg. Just wanted to sort of mention that. It really does look like the cover of a folk album. Am I wrong? I I quite agree. I quite agree. All I need is, you know, a guitar and a banjo or something. Sorry? (laughs) There we go. There Uh, we go. I think Greg would be better on the banjo. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is a hoedown of near-biblical proportions. Just wanted to mention that. Uh, that really does look that way. Nash still looks... Uh, sorry, uh, Chewie still looks like he's transmitting from Mir. <laughs> I'm waiting for R2-D. Yeah, I'm waiting for r 2 I think he's still behind the belief. It's like the lighting in the scene. It's just kind of... It's a great combination. The lighting really adds to it, though. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and, I it does. Still look, and, and I still look very similar. To a thumb. To a giant thumb. <laughs> <laughs> to a giant thumb. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to mention that. Just wanted to mention. We that. haven't done that in a while. We I, I actually meant to put the little, uh, little eyes and face on. But it is eerie. But it is eerie because I haven't got much of a chance. Because I haven't got much of it anyway. Anyway. So that's sort of so all I wanted to get through for the first I wanted to get bit. through just so we could understand um, uh, ways so, in which we can explore, in which we the, can, you know, counter positions in the future. And uh, I thought that we could start off next week with. Um, uh, me taking the pro-social contract side and uh, attempting to take out a contract on most of you. Um, so uh, if we could get, uh, um, uh, if that sounds like a reasonable approach, then we could start that. I'm certainly happy to do other topics that uh, we could do. I could take the pro-existence of God side or pro-possible existence of Very God, well. but I think the social contract is the one that we're dealing with the most. Um, uh, and then, what, so, so the idea is to sort of, uh, 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 you know, I'll, I'll take that pro side and uh, try and uh, 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 win the case, so to speak. And, and if I can't win it, that's great. Then we've got a great example of how to counter these. Example and if I can counter these, sort of what win, then we'll figure out where, then we can figure out where things went awry, so to speak. Sounds great. Sounds great. All right. Well, thank you right. very much. I think uh, Greg uh, and Nash have a concert. Um, Colleen uh, has to flee Darth Vader. Chugaris uh, has to uh, adjust his webcam uh, in ways that we can barely conceive of. <laughs> Charlotte is just about to face the dawn, and I'm getting hungry. So <laughs> thanks, everyone, so much, and uh, we'll uh, pick this up again next week. Good night, uh, all. Again, Bye. 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 Good evening. Bye. Bye. Bye.